Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast with your host, Jeff Nadu, the big man on campus. This college basketball guru, brash and unfiltered, he's got you covered in much more than sports, including music, movies, and the mob. Live guests, top-notch breakdowns, and as always, taking your phone calls. Live from the city of brotherly love, here's the big man on campus, Jeff Nadu. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Don't Ease Me Bro podcast, episode 21. It is Tuesday, January 21st, 2020. A lot to do tonight. We've got a lot to unpack. A wild night in college basketball. A lot going on. A lot to talk about. we got a game uh, late night uh, we'll talk about as well. Wyoming, uh, San Diego State. We also have Air Force and the uh, Utah State Aggies in uh, Logan. So we'll get to those two games as well. Try to give you maybe a little bit of a breakdown. We'll see what Mike Randall thinks. He'll join us tonight. Mike from the Action Network uh, and the Screen the Screener podcast. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about everything that happened tonight in college hoops, including uh, a wild melee out in Lawrence. We'll also talk about uh, some blowouts and a rough beat uh, if you had a certain group as well. I also, in the second half hour of the show, uh, I want to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, over the course of today, I had a lot of people in my mentions talking to me about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and uh, Brett Brown and, and really this entire team. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about why I believe that, you know, again, Ben has played very well, but I want to tell you why I think they need to move on from him uh, and why I think it's the best thing for them going forward. Um, You know, again, it's all about opinions. Uh, It's all about the ability to have an opinion and, you know, I'm going to talk about it. There's really fact when I talk, I don't really, I'm not talking about conjecture and what might happen. I'm talking about what, has happened and what hasn't happened uh, and what needs to happen. Uh, and we'll talk about that. Look, if you have an opinion and you don't like my opinion, call the show. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to the people that do like Ben Simmons, the people that do think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can play on the same team, the people that do like Brett Brown, the people that do like Elton Brand. I want to talk to you. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that as well. So you know, really all sorts of stuff to do tonight. But let me give you the phone number. If you want to join the show, we'd love to have you. I know plenty of people listen to the show. Uh, don't be bashful. Give us a call. Uh, I'm not saying I don't like talking to certain callers, but I'd love to hear some new voices here. Uh, 515-605-9349. Again, 515-605-9349. I um, had a trip to the dentist today and I have to ask about the dentist like before I kind of get into the show I I'm always curious about the dentist and I guess I should probably ask the dentist this but uh, I never remember to do it and I think about it after the fact and wish that I did how come when you go to the dentist they use that like 1905 like metal uh, object that like basically scrapes your teeth like, in this day and age, there's not, like, a more modern way to get stuff from your teeth. Like, I mean, we can literally call someone right now in, you know, Bora Bora. We can, you know, go to the moon. We can, you know, do all sorts of stuff. But we still use a metal rod with, an, like, a, a, like, a hook at the end to clean our teeth. Like, I don't know. I just find it like wildly interesting that there's not a more modern way to to clean your teeth. And maybe I'm just not seeing it. I guess you obviously have to get up in there and and between things. But like, why isn't there like an easier way to do that? It's always something that I kind of marvel at. I guess I should ask the dentist. They'd probably be more inclined to tell me. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe Mike Randall knows. We we can ask him when, when Mike joins us and he joins us now. 
uh, from the Action Network and Screen Screener Podcast. We talk to Mike every Tuesday. Mike Randall, i got to ask you, before you say anything, maybe you can answer this question. How come when you go to the dentist, right? I went to the dentist today. How come when you go to the dentist, there's that mythological way they cut, they, like, get the stuff out of your teeth with, like, that metal rod? Why isn't there a more modern way to do that? Like, that's not pleasant. Because the dentist loves giving you pain. I mean, it goes back to Feed Me Seymour, right, with Little Shop of Horrors. Like, they just love – why would you change? You, you bring fear to us with that metal thing. Why would you want to yeah. make it easier? You, you, we feed off the fear, right? Yeah, I, I guess. I always just wondered that. Like, why – like, there's got to be an easier way to, like, you know, get stuff out from your teeth. But, hey, look, I'm not complaining. Look, if you don't go to the dentist, you're a fucking dirtball. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it's still a, a very mythological way to do things. But uh, Mike Randall joins us. And, Mike, a wild night in college hoops. And, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't get into the, the elephant in the room. And it's the melee out in Lawrence tonight. Look, two things are sh- we're sure about. Sylvie D'Souza is a punk uh, for, for doing what he did. Um, and he's also, uh, I mean, the behavior to grab the chair, I, that's, and Seth Greenberg was just talking about it and he's so right. I mean, Mike, that's more of like a, a, a sociopathic way to deal with things. Like that's a criminal way of thinking, like grabbing a chair and like he was going to hit someone with a chair. It's, it's almost, it's almost like a criminal issue now, like just disgusting behavior. Yeah, I don't think a lot of players can control their emotions. When you're out there and you're a college high-level athlete, NFL player, NBA, Major League Baseball, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. I mean, I know Clemens had the steroids, but he threw the bat in the middle. You get so worked up that I, I think kids today, even professionals, they don't know how to control it. Remember the fight between Crabtree and who is the guy chasing him around? They're swinging punches at each other. Like, there's a, a level that's got to kick in at some point. Nowadays, there has to be. I think this happened, man, years ago. I mean, I think there were fights. I mean, what about Bill Lambeer with Robert Parrish when he got hit? Uh, right about Rudy Tomjanovich. What, I mean, you know, the, those Lakers-Celtic series where Grambus got clothesline. I mean, we've seen physical stuff like this. The grabbing of the chair, you can't do that. You just can't do that. You can't go in the stands. Something's got to click when it gets to that level, and it didn't for him. He's going to be suspended for quite a long time. And listen, this is a guy who also was involved in potentially, you know, the money, the recruiting. Sure. I mean, you know, for, there's a lot of stuff that, that that's around this guy, but we've seen it all the time. There's a lot, At some point, it's got to kick in. I get it. If you're an accountant, you're a lawyer, you're a teacher, someone doesn't come to your job and start screaming at you like, you got to do that spreadsheet better. What? I, I get it. But you're out there. You're a college athlete. You're, you're, you're on the spotlight. You get a lot of stuff for that. You're a professional. You have to know that's going to come. Don't be like Derek Jeter who got in the Hall of Fame today. Don't complain you can't go out to dinner. Okay, that, that comes with the territory. So, Silvio, I get it. He, he did a little George Pappas on you guys again, like the guy from Monmouth who stole the ball and wanted to dunk it when they were losing by a lot. I get it. You want to block him? I got no problem with that. But you don't need to talk trash to the guy. You just buried Kansas State. That's where it got over the line. Yeah. I mean, you see David McCormick, who I believe was kicking someone on the ground. I mean, this is going to be really bad for Kansas. And, again, the issue you have here is like, I know Sylvia DeSouza is not – uh, really an important player to that group. I mean, he doesn't, you know, if he plays like nine or 10 minutes a game, but I mean, McCormick's a starter. Uh, I believe Agbaji was involved in, in some aspect. Dotson was in there. Um, this is going to be significant from a repercussion standpoint. Uh, you Kansas is a number one seed right now. Uh, this is going to be lengthy suspensions, right? I mean, they, what's going to happen here, you think? No, absolutely. It's going to be suspensions. It has to be. I remember I was at a wedding when the Ron Artest situation happened, uh, and I worked for I was with one of my best friends worked for an NBA team. He looks at me. We're watching it with no reaction. Ron Artest in the melee in the palace, the whole malice in the palace, whatever. He goes, "We're going to have meetings Monday morning. This is going to have major, major ramifications." And listen, when you talk about the fans, the fans have gone over the line all the time. But this wasn't a fan. I think the guy he was fighting was a bench player from Kansas State. I don't even know. To be honest, with yeah, you. The, I think the guy in the black shirt. I I done some digging. It seems like this guy 
is some sort of like Ben. He, I don't think he was dressed tonight. He was, he was clearly dressed in some sort of maybe he's red shirting. I, I don't know. But um, it, from what I understand, someone pointed out that it's uh, this guy James Love. I don't I don't know who. I never I don't remember ever seeing him on the sidelines. But I have to kind of get to the bottom of, of why he's not playing this year. Yeah, that's that's the issue. There has to be some sort of restraint. It'll happen. It happened when the benches come on the court. Remember the old Knicks series where they lost the series? Uh, I guess it was against the Heat. Everybody came off the bench at the end of the game. Or You know, we've seen Amari Stoudemire with the Suns in the NBA. They were about to, to move forward, and, and uh, they were going to upset the Spurs. And then Stoudemire got suspended for game six. There will be some repercussions to this, and they will get it right. But I think it's a systemic problem. Not only they've tried to clean up the trash talking, right, with the technicals and the anti-flop, and they've tried to take that out of the game, but this was a result of George Pappas. This was a result of that guy in Monmouth who made that steal at Kansas and dunked and didn't want that to yeah. happen again. He chased him down. And listen, there are, I believe this, man, there are unspoken terms, unspoken things. If you're losing and the other team's running out the clock, that's a courtesy. It's like back with Shiano in the NFL where they're kneeling and he told his guys in the NFL on Tampa to pop the center. You know, th- there is that sort of sportsmanlike situation. If we're not going to do that, then we're going to see Kansas or teams like Kansas start slamming home dunks on people up 40, and now it's going to happen again. So there are some unspoken rules there. There are things you just don't do. Kansas was not trying to score. He wants to pick the pocket. That's fine. But that could also play a part in this. I I can't – you can't have it both ways. You can't tell the players that they can play hard 24-7, but then the team that's on offense can't play hard if they're up 50. If we're going to yeah, I mean, say look, that we want to keep the score low, you know, that's the way it is. I think the, the thing is, though, like, and my whole thing is, I don't really care what happens. Like, before all this, it's the fact of what happened after. I, I don't care. You just don't do certain things, as you were saying. And, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't notice who was the player for Kansas State that, in, like, kind of ran after. Because the, the guy on the ground, it didn't seem like he really reacted. It was someone that – came out of nowhere. I didn't see who that was, but I remember back to that. Um, the, the one that I remember as far as in college was that remember the crosstown shootout with Xavier in Cincinnati. They had that big fight at the end oh, of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yancey, yeah. Yancey Gates at that time, who was, was the big for, for Cincinnati. I remember, I think he ended up getting like six game, a six game suspension, I think. And I don't know. I think two Holloway was involved when he was there. And, um, you know, I, Des Wells, I believe, even played for Xavier at the time. He ended up going to Maryland, but I, I think he was involved as well. They 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 threw the book at some of those guys. I remember, um, you know, Mick Cronin was disgusted. I, he had talked about it, so he thought he was going to get fired because of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I you got to expect. I mean, DeSouza, I don't think we'll see again. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, and he's, as you said, he's been a his time at, at uh, Kansas has been a complete mess for the most part. Um, you know, uh, Agbaji was probably involved. I, I think I saw Dodson, obviously some of the Kansas State players. This is bad for Kansas. I mean, I mean, you're in a number one seed race right now. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad because what we're seeing, big man, is that there is the only thing that matters this year more than ever before are the matchups. Nothing else yeah. matters. If you've lost four in a row, it's irrelevant. If you've covered six games in a row, it's irrelevant. What matters is that night. Teams on big winning streaks. Clemson was horrific. They show up against Duke at home, and they beat Duke handily. And tonight, they're, they're barely won against a Wake Forest team with no Shawnee Brown. So nothing matters. Past performance doesn't. So the fact that Kansas has played well, it doesn't matter. If they, these guys are going to be suspended for a long, long time. This could send them into a tailspin. No, past performance does not yeah. predicate future success this year more than ever. It, it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be obtuse here, but it's starting to come up and continue to come up roses for Baylor, doesn't it? I mean, you know, they're just hanging out. You know, Kansas does this kind of – obviously there's going to be issues here and repercussions, and Kansas is going to have trouble going forward. Let's get into the show, obviously, Mike, with some of the other things that happened tonight. A horrible beat down at uh, LSU. Uh, listen, you've got to have uh, – 
and Mike, forgive me if you bet this, but I got to be honest, you have to be nuts if you bet LSU anything over a point and a half right now. This team, I don't know, and I don't know what it is, but Mike, it, if you're betting like two and a half, three, three and a half at LSU, I guess I guess two because you know it's a bucket, but. I, I don't – for whatever it is, LSU can't seem to cover by margin. They win every game, it seems like, by two, three, or four. Yeah, the issue is their guard play isn't great. I mean, Skylar Mays is all right, but the teams that are going to be successful historically are those that have players in roles, right, who you have a point guard, you have a big man, you have a rebounder. So LSU is kind of very nebulous. They rebound the heck out of the ball. They make some threes. They like to push. The defense is okay at times, but not great. Like, it, it's it's another nebulous team. So you can't really assess matchups there. I liked LSU tonight. I thought Florida was looking ahead to Baylor this weekend. Again, brutal loss. But also Vegas is starting to nail the lines, right? The lines are going to get harder here. We're heading into February. That's the way it's going to be. But a lot of these teams, big man, you see, they don't have roles. They have positionless basketball. That makes it harder to handicap. And it also makes you more likely to be upset because you could have a situation where LSU is not scoring or they're giving up a ton of points or they're missing free throws. You never know. That's the problem. Nice win by Villanova tonight. They beat up Butler. Butler's lost three in a row. Seems like Seton Hall took all their mojo and uh, flushed it down the toilet. Um, uh, you know, Aaron Thompson wasn't good in this game. Um, you know, no one was really good outside of Kamar Baldwin for Butler. Uh, Villanova, Mike, still hanging around uh, in the uh, Big East. I mean, we, we almost kind of forget about them. And, and you know, because this isn't – I guess we could all agree this isn't one of Jay's better teams. But, you know, something great about Jay Wright, man. He, he just always gets the best of some of these kids. What I love is that he was on the verge of getting fired a long time ago, and now everything's yeah. gone the other way. What he's done is he's recruited guys who, are, who can shoot, dribble, pass. So many different players that can do so many things. Sadiq Bey, Robinson Earl. He's gone through this nebulous sort of situation. I don't think Colin Gillespie's a great point guard, but I think – I don't know if Ryan Archie Diakono was either. I mean, but what he does is he gets the most out of these guys, and they have their roles, and great coaching matters. It does matter. You have a Texas A&M team, by the way, that's terrible, but they're getting a lot out of their – they're, they're, they're competing. And what, the reason they're competing is because of Buzz Williams. So those few top coaches really do make a difference this year. I'm not necessarily throwing Texas Tech in with the group I'm about to talk about, but – I mean, what a horrible loss for Texas Tech tonight. I mean, you're up, you're up four at the half against uh, you know very average TCU group. You get outscored 38-23 in the second half. I'm not putting them in with Purdue and Virginia as complete frauds, but it's been a rough season, Mike. Before uh, for some of these teams that you know, were obviously really good last season, they had great runs. We obviously know Virginia won the national title. Texas Tech. Uh, runner up. It just goes to show how tough it is to win a uh, year after year, but a real bad loss for Texas Tech. But I want to ask you about um, Virginia and Purdue. I bet Purdue tonight. I told you I like Purdue tonight. Um, I, I felt like, Mike, though, as the day went on, it kind of got to the point where it seemed like everyone had seen through the, the Illinois stuff and the Purdue stuff, and everyone was kind of buying into that line's a trap. I got to take uh, Illinois, or I got to take Purdue, and it turned out to be you know, the wrong side. I, I'm just kind of feeling at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter what it looks like on paper. Purdue's just a bad offensive team. And again, you, you continue to lie down with bad teams that can't shoot. Um, they're going to screw you time and time again. And for Virginia and Purdue, I mean, these, these guys are total frauds, both these teams. I mean, I, I, all we hear about is how great they are defensively. I mean, Illinois is legit. We know that, but what the hell happened to Purdue tonight? This team can't get just that that scoring night after night. An ugly loss tonight for, for Purdue. Yeah, the problem is one game throws everyone off the scent. Purdue plays Michigan State last week. It's a Sunday. It's a standalone game or whatever it was. And they blow them out. That's what resonates with people. I think it was on national TV. That's what resonates. What should resonate and what you have to try to avoid is the knee-jerk reaction to one game or even two games. Systemically. Yeah, but Mike, 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 let me ask you, though. I mean, I, and I, this is something that I noticed. You look at the last 19 home games coming into tonight for Purdue. 17 had come by double digits as far as the wins. 
I mean, this is not just a – I mean, Purdue has been very good at home for a long time. I mean, yeah, I get what yeah, you're I saying, heard, but – No, but the issue with – here's the problem with that. I, I, I don't care that it's 19. I heard this also today as well. That's yeah. last year. That's, that's a different team. That's different a team teams. that almost went to the Final Four. So this year, the home games you're talking about, overtime against Nickel State, Hawaii, the Citadel, Hampton, Lindenwood, not ranked – Miami <laughs> lost at home. Okay. Right. Then they end up, you know, like these are the teams that, um, oh, I'm sorry, hold on. Sorry. That was it. That was uh, Illinois. I apologize. But Purdue, when you talk about the teams, the last 19 that they've played, they played Green Bay at home. Then they lost to Texas at home. Then they beat Chicago State, Jacksonville State. Okay. The Virginia game was a nice win. But as we learned, Virginia is a fraud. Northwestern. Yep. Central Michigan, Minnesota, and double overtime. So this year, forget Carson Edwards. He's not there anymore. What you have in Virginia and Purdue are two solid, defensive, slow-down teams that cannot make three-pointers. Both teams are terrible at threes. If you're going to slow the game down, you got to make three-pointers. Neither team does. That's a recipe for disaster. So I was kind of going back and forth with you. I wasn't sure. I know Purdue's really good at home. But to me, at some point, it was going to bite them. And I think people overreacted to the Michigan State blowout. Yeah, and, and you know, it's you always look back hindsight twenty twenty after games that you lose, and you always say, "Wow, you know, I I guess I just didn't see that." But you know, I, I'm starting to notice, Mike, that in the Big Ten, the games that are kind of you know that they have that kind of being where like you don't really know how the team's going to win at home, but they always find a way to do it. So it's like, it's just kind of that thing that you always find where it's like, that's just a play. Like, you know, with Alabama against Auburn and just, just spots that you know that work. And it seems like in the Big Ten, when you have that, you know, team that's a coin flip or a point favorite at home that maybe shouldn't be favored at home and they're favored at home, those are the ones that generally come in and their blowouts and everything works. But I guess for me tonight, I just, I looked at the line and I thought to myself, you know, why are they six-point favorites or something going on there? But by the time that the game tipped, it seems like everyone had thought that way. So it ended up, as you said, being a little bit of an overvalued uh, commodity. Um, Mike, uh, I've talked about Seton Hall a lot recently, and I, I want to keep asking every guest I talk to. I've had certain guests like last week with, with the three-men weave. You know, Kai McEwen thought I was, I think, kind of nuts, but then I – you know, then they ended up continuing to win, and they've continued to, to do well. When I look at this team, I don't – like, every team, there's, like, a flaw, I feel like, in some way. They're the only team that I've actually looked at in college basketball where I don't necessarily see a flaw with them. I, I, I really don't. I mean, it, and, and you're always a guy that can find a flaw, I guess. You just found a flaw with Purdue, and it made total sense. I don't see the flaw with this group. I mean, I know they have some losses, and those are flaws, but what's the flaw for Seton Hall? Because I don't necessarily know if I see one. The flaw is Kevin Willard. The flaw is that Kevin Willard is not a great coach. He has underachieved right. with this team. They had a tremendous team a few years ago. They went into the tournament. Yeah, the Desi, they ended up fucking. Uh, the Desi Calgato. team, right. Yeah. Th- that's the issue. But this year, what he has is, in a lot of ways, what I think Musselman has in Arkansas complete and total buy-in 100 percent they both have players that can create their own shot powell's at a different level mason jones is fantastic as well and they have solid defensive teams so if you have complete buy-in you have a player who can get a shot at the end of a game and you have a solid defensive team this year you're going to be in more games than not. I think Seton Hall, now the values come down. The future on them went from like 40 to 1 to 14 to 1. Let's take it easy on 14 to 1 on Seton Hall. That's not quite no, enough Mike, value for, you know, for Kevin Williard cutting the nets down. No, that's, I mean, and we talked about that the other night. I got them at 50 to 1. That, that was where I got them. And I, that's good. I've, that's really good. Been, yeah. I've, I've really been kind of carrying the torch for them for a while. But, I mean, you can get them right now 20 to 1, bet online. Um, you know, still not a great price. I mean, I feel like you need a little higher, but I, again, defensively, I think they're terrific. Their bigs are, they have not one, but two seven footers. Mamu Kelishvili, we haven't seen him in weeks. He hasn't even come back yet. McKnight is a terrific defender. Um, they're getting tons of depth and, and just experience with this group. And as you said, Powell, I mean, is there a better player in the country than Powell? If there, no, if there is, I want to hear it. 
You know, man. Okay. Ha- listen, we talked we talked about Jeter getting the Hall of Fame. The biggest thing Jeter had, and a lot of these guys have it, the clutch gene. Powell's got the clutch gene. You know, we got we got Gus Johnson, Powell from Trenton, the whole thing. There are very few players. Carson Edwards had it last year. There are players who have that gene, that ability to step up. He's what he's right top of the list. Yeah, love the kid. Um, Mike, I always ask this every week when we uh, we talk to you or any guest. Uh, they still haven't lost, but they play tonight. Uh, the likelihood of them losing tonight is about the same likelihood that I have to be a marathon winner tomorrow. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. Uh, but I want to ask you about two games, two games that I think are interesting. San Diego State tonight against Wyoming. I, I got to be honest, I did take a small piece of Wyoming. I, I know you know, we've talked to people. I know uh, David DeMann, who joins us, he's been betting against San Diego State. He hasn't worked out for him. But, you know, I noticed with this group this year, Mike, one and four laying 12 and a half or more points uh, at home. They've not been good laying big numbers. And, you know, the way Wyoming plays, they're kind of built to, to stay in games like this. I'm not saying they're going to stay within six or seven the entire game, but to think that they can cover 23, I feel like it, it's definitely there. I mean, they don't really get blown out if you look at a lot of their games. There's just not a lot of possessions and allowable time to win by 25 or 30 points. And it's not like San Diego State particularly speeds you up on defense. They're going to basically make you waste the entire shot clock, and you're going to put up a bad shot. And that's exactly how Wyoming looks to play. I don't know if Wyoming will score 45 points in this game. Maybe they will. I don't think it's going to be much over 50. There's not going to be enough possessions to cover 25 points, is there? I don't think so. I got a piece of Wyoming as well. I was impressed with Maldonado against Nevada. He almost pulled that money line out for me on that game. San Diego State's got Mensa inside. He's going to, you know, the respiratory issue, you know, so he's not at 100%. Yeah, any time, any team giving 24, 25, whatever you got at that point, I, I think that's way too much, especially now. Listen, San Diego State, we talked about it, has the run of teams coming up on the 17th that they're going to have to address. And if they get through that run of teams, yeah, I think there's a chance they could be undefeated in the regular season. But what I'm curious about is they're going to end up playing UNLV on the road. That's not easy. Not easy. That team blew out Utah State. It's not easy. New Mexico, no brag, I think is going to be easier. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. New Mexico's done some crazy things down there. Utah State's going to want revenge. They certainly have. They're not playing at that high level. But they have the players who, for one game, could step up and pull off a loss. And then, of course, we have Air Force on the road who shoots the three well. So, yeah, I, I still think it's very much up in the air. I'll tell you, though, you could get a lot of money for San Diego State getting a one seed right now because if they get through that run, they're going to have a good shot because all these other teams are going to have a lot of losses. Yeah, definitely an interesting game tonight. If you're Brian Dutch, you got to look to you know maybe get some rest here. You know, you got a big stretch coming up, two straight road games. You know, look, Wyoming's not going to put up much of a fight here. You just kind of hope it's not – like this Duke game where it's like, you know, 45-17 at the half or something. But, yeah, uh, this looks like a decent spot for the Cowboys. Um, you know, look at their schedule. I mean, this they don't get blown out uh, seemingly every game. Outside of the San Diego State game, really lost by 20. Um, Mike, Utah State's been uh, really hard to, to stomach. I mean, the other night against Boise was uh, was ugly. Am I missing something as to why they're laying 14 points here? Am I missing something well, here? No, I'm with you. I took them. I mean, to me, that's a 33-point swing. I, I think that's really tough tonight against a good Air Force team that can make some shots. Listen, with the way it's going, I mean, could this be like a Purdue-Michigan State spot? Sure, it could be. But I don't think Keita's right. He came back. I think they rushed him back. Sam Too Merrill's early, coming, yeah. coming around. He's not there yet. And the one thing that you'll see is teams that play against Utah State teams, if you can turn the corner and get to the basket, you're going to make some shots. I think it's too much. I took them. I'll take the risk that it's 30-4, to like a Purdue-Michigan State game when it's over. But, yeah, I I think it's way too much. But they believe in Utah State. Utah State was 1-2 and last year in the Mountain West, and they ended up, you know, tying for the regular season title and and winning the conference title, so uh, conference tournament. So, yeah, that's what they think. Surprised at this number. Air Force has played well this year. Good three-point shooting team. Great from the line. You know, good offense. I mean, this is. I think a lot of the time the key to standing games is is being able to make shots and get it to the line and making those shots. The problem is, I mean, Air Force has been pretty hard to watch on the defensive end. 
Uh, but again, we haven't really seen that uh, outside of you know Merrill. There's not a lot of talent on this Utah State team. Is interesting. Beans interesting and Kata, but I don't know. They don't do a ton for me. I, I kind of agree with you here on this one, Mike. Before we let you go, I want to ask you uh, a couple questions here. I got kind of a a fraud or for real uh, kind of segment. Just want to kind of ask about a couple teams. Tell me if they're a fraud to you or they're for real. Um, Oklahoma. I think they're kind of a fraud. When you say, when I say for real, what I'm going to say is, can they make some noise in the tournament? Can they make some That's noise kind of, in their yeah. conference tournament? Yeah, I, I don't see it. Uh, I'm really annoyed at that shot choice last night. I went back and forth with Rob Doster on this. Austin Reeves has been horrific this year. He's 25% from three-point range. Doolittle is solid. The enemy's okay. Brady Manick is feast or famine. But they had a chance to knock off Baylor and get a real nice win. That game was going in the wrong direction. Uh, what Butler turns it over. They got a three-on-one break, and Reeves is fading to the corner when he's two of ten from three-point range. So I think they're way too dependent on the jumper, and no, I don't think they're real. Not yet. You got to wonder why Reeves left Wichita. It'd be quite good if he was there. He seemed like the perfect AAC kind of player. I don't know why he left, um, but who knows. Um, Xavier. Xavier can't win away from home, and Xavier can't make threes. I can't say that that team is real if you're not going to win on the road and you don't shoot well from beyond the arc in 2020. So I'm going to say fraud. One of the more disappointing teams in the country so far for me. I've, again, I, I know they've been kind of inconsistent and they've lost three in a row, but I, I thought they would kind of just be a, like kind of the way you know Butler's been, just a solid, really good team. But you're right. I mean, it has been ugly to watch them shoot. Um, kind of a similar team to Seton Hall from a coaching perspective, Minnesota. Seems like everything's good for Minnesota, but Richard Pitino. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? For real, for real or fraud? No, I think they're for real because when you have a big inside look like a Toro, that travels. I usually tend to go against upsets in the first couple rounds of the tournament of teams that have bigs because I think bigs travel. I think that's why North Carolina for so many years has been such a solid team to pick. Even Duke has had more upsets in the early rounds than North Carolina because when you have solid bigs like a Tyler Hansborough, right, they had Zeller for a while, they don't get upset. So I think a Toro allows them to travel and keeps them from potentially being upset. Listen, at this point, they're four and four in the Big Ten they're 10 and 8 overall. They have struggled on the road. They lost at Iowa on the road. They could have won at Purdue, but lost that game in double overtime. They battled tough, but lost to Michigan State, and then they lose to Rutgers. So I think they're actually for real, but they got to pick up a win on the road at some point. Mike, um, I made the comment on Saturday, and I know Virginia's been terrific and Texas Tech, but I got to be honest i think washington could be the best half court defense in the country i mean they're they were suffocating against oregon i i've not seen a team get dominated defensively like oregon did on saturday washington when they seem like they want to play it's almost impossible to score in a half court against them i'm they're suffocating are they for real or a fraud mike they're for real because hopkins has recruited and created a team that fits his style. Again, you're talking about one of the top coaches in college. What you have inside is Isaiah Stewart is everything that that team needs. He's a strong back-to-the-basket player. He's getting less press than Precious Achua out in Memphis, but is a very similar type of player. He is great inside. Jaden McDaniel's got to get his head screwed on straight, throwing the ball, getting the technical. Then he was sick for a little bit. I think the loss of Quade Green really hurts them because I think having Jamal Bay as your point guard is going to limit you to a certain extent. But if he can get that figured out, their length in that zone is a major problem. And they used to not. They used to have a, a soft bigs inside the guys that really couldn't finish that you thought could do some things. That is not what they have right now in Stewart inside. So yeah, with a zone and length and a really good post player, they're for real. Mike, that six nine Stewart on Saturday, 
I mean, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, if he plays. If Ben Simmons plays and doesn't turn the ball over, he could be Magic Johnson. If he shoots the ball, he could be – if, if, if. But if, if Isaiah Stewart plays that way, is I don't know if there's a better player. That was dominating what he did on Saturday. I mean, the kid is legitimate, man. I mean, as far as from a big standpoint, terrific stuff. He was dominating. You know what he is, and, and and I like Washington because I think he did. I think Hopkins does a real nice job. I think Stewart gives them just so much length inside. He gives them everything that I really wanted Noah Dickerson to be. You know, I was yeah. on Washington last year. I love Noel. I love Chris. There's a real point guard. Thibault's a great defender. The reason that they didn't make it as far as I thought they would last year in the tournament is Dickerson was soft, and he wasn't a good back-to-the-basket player, and he really wasn't that athletic, had the retirement body, just wasn't great in the post. He gives them everything that Dickerson did not. That's the difference. 70-1. to Worth the shot with them? Oh, absolutely. They just need the point guard situation. That's the problem. Now, Quade would be eligible if they get to the tournament, right? That's the key. If they get Quade Green back, I think that's a game changer because everyone bumps back to a normal role. And, you know, Hamir Wright can make some threes. They, they're, they're a dangerous team. All I'm going to say is $100, not, worth, not a bad bet there. If you had a little hundo, you want to you put a future in, that might be worth it. They're really good defensively. Absolutely. It's going to be tough to face that zone you know, night after night in the tournament. That is lethal. Uh, and trust me, I, I bet against Washington twice last week. I won one, luckily, with Oregon, and I had uh, Oregon State, one of the worst bets of the season. Uh, I know, Mike, you uh, you belittled that bet. Uh, not sure what I was oh, thinking, I, but. I just, I, you know, and I liked them. I liked Tinkle coming back. I, they just are soft to me. They're Kyle, Ke- they Kyle really are. Soft. They're just soft. Like, you you can't lose you, – you need to be able to push around Arizona and Arizona State at home. Like, yep. if you're just going to go – and I'm talking about any team, not just them. If you're in a major conference there and you're going to go 500 and you're going to lose at home to other mediocre teams, like, you're not going anywhere. I'm not buying that. I'd rather take a dominant team. I'd rather take a Bradley team that's not even at full strength yet or a Northern I Give me a mid-major team that dominated their conference over a mediocre team unless they had an injury. You know, like if Washington ends up going up and down, but they get Quade Green back, that's a big difference for me. But Oregon State, just not the potential I thought they could have. It amazes me Kyler Kelly's third in the country in block percentage. I mean, he – soft isn't the word for him. Uh, one more, Mike. Uh, I'm infatuated with this group, uh, DePaul. They're, that starting five is really good. Charlie Moore, Reed, Coleman, Lannis, Butts, Weems. They're interesting. Yeah, I, really athletic, and the bench isn't deep, but they seem to continue to be kind of a, an outlier. Absolutely, and the first step in going from a team that was a doldrum of the conference to that next level is being able to win a couple games on the road and, and win a couple games at home and defend your home court. They played tough in all their home games. Seton Hall, Providence lost by one. I mean, these are games that they could have had. That was a nice win against Butler the other day. That sort of sent Butler into a tailspin. Now show me something. You got to beat Creighton here tomorrow night. You got to beat a team like Creighton. That's home is really good, but on the road isn't great, but they can make threes. DePaul's doing a nice job, and I think Charlie Moore was underrated. I think he should have played more at Kansas. I was always a big Charlie Moore fan when he came over, and he's doing a nice job. Yeah, one home to uh, Chicago is from that area. Mike, before I let you go, I, got, I always try to give you a team to look out for. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But St. Peter's is 8-1 and one against the uh, spread as an underdog, which I mentioned and told you about. This is a little bit more modern, this team. I got a feeling this Mississippi State Bulldog team is going to go on a little bit of a run. They're starting to look good. Tyson Carter's starting to score again. The bigs inside have been terrific. Robert Woodard's, I love. Reggie Perry, fantastic. Seems like Nick Witherspoon's got his legs again. Another guy, I'm not a Ben Hallen guy, but they're starting to play pretty well. And they got your boys tomorrow night at Starkville. Yeah, and I I think, again, I'm going to pick against Arkansas, which people are going to laugh at. I've backed them a couple times, but I I, – I think this team is rolling. I think Reggie Perry gives them something that most teams do not have. Most teams do not have a four 
who can score and take you off the dribble and rebound. It's a tough matchup. So with Witherspoon back, Tyson Carter's got to get going. And I listen, I think Ben Howland's solid coach. Remember, as bad as UCLA is, and as awful as they are, he got him the three consecutive Final Fours. I don't care if his style's boring. It's about winning. It's about winning and bottom lines. The guy can coach. And honestly, you're seeing a great guy like Kermit Davis, who's a superior coach, really struggle this year with Mississippi, who's terrible after being really fantastic last year. And I think one of the favorites in the SEC this year. So honestly, he's got them going in the right direction. I think that's a win for Mississippi State, a comfortable win tomorrow night. You know, Mike, it it seems like Arkansas is kind of going to go on that Butler run where they lose to a team at home they probably could have had, and then they go on like a little tailspin. I'm not going to say they're going to lose to TCU, but I could see them losing tomorrow, losing two in a row, really haven't had that this season. Have they lost two in a row this season? I don't think they have. Uh, I don't think so. could be one of those kind of runs where Musselman's going to have to figure it out. Always tough to win in the SEC. Mike, uh, always good talking to you. Uh, go check Mike out on all of his uh, content. He's got the Screen the Screener podcast with Gus Kearns. He does the uh, Action Network stuff. And, Mike, i got to tell you, I heard the uh, Action Network pod the other night. Uh, great stuff. Uh, follow Mike on Twitter. I know a lot of you do. I know a lot of you are discovering him. That's what we try to do. We try to get you people maybe you don't know of. Mike, uh, great stuff, man. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, real soon. You got it, brother. Thanks. See you, Mike. Uh, Mike Randall joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Randall Rand. All right, let's take a quick little break. We'll be back with you. Listen, if you're out there listening to the show, okay, I want to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Tell me why I'm fucking stupid with the shit I say about the Sixers. I want to know why you should we should keep Ben Simmons. I want to know why you think they can coexist because I've noticed Ben's played well, but when Joel comes back, it's going to be the same old thing. Uh, what do they do at the break to get better? Uh, I want to talk a little Sixers. We'll take some calls as well. Uh, if you want to join us, 515-605-9349. We'll be back with you right after this. fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. For podcasts to blogs to live content and radio live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics too. Leave it to me, leave it to my opinion, the big men on campus, I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Dottie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubSportsRadio.com. Welcome back to the Don't Tease Me Show podcast. I'm your host, Big Man on Campus. Thanks to Mike Randall for joining us. Call him Twitter at Randall Rant. Um, just heard the Pub Search Radio ad. Uh, go check out my blog uh, for the Premier League Match Day 24. We got more games tomorrow. Broke even for today. Had a couple losses, but did have a winner. Arsenal Chelsea draw plus 290. So that kind of wiped everything out. I lost a little bit of juice, but uh, we'll look to kind of right the ship tomorrow. Having a great season with the Premier League, up about 18 units on the season. So make sure you go check that blog out at Pub Sports Radio and all the blogs at Pub Sports Radio. All right, uh, let's hit the phone lines. If you want to join us, we'd love to hear from you. 515-605-9349. Cameron, go ahead. Hey, what's up, big man? I really enjoyed listening to you and Mike talk. I really love your show and all you do. You, you give good insight on everything. Listen, you're not an idiot when it comes to the 76ers. My my biggest problem with the 76ers is Brett Brown. What has Brett Brown done for Philadelphia? He's been coached, what, six or seven years? He hasn't won anything. I think his first four or five years he didn't even make the playoffs. And their, their biggest accomplishment is losing in the conference semifinals. It, 
It just makes no sense to me why anybody would want to defend Brett Brown or as 76ers fans want to do sometimes on Twitter, as I see. And I think you're absolutely right criticizing Ben Simmons. So I, I don't know. I'm not a really big NBA guy. I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. I know a lot of people hate me for that. But it just makes no sense to me why Brett Brown is still the head coach of the 76ers. Yeah, I, I you know. Look, to me, I, I would have gotten rid of him a while ago. I talked about that when they lost uh, to the uh, you know, two years ago in the playoffs in the second round. You know, he was kind of a stopgap guy, and thanks for the call, Cameron. Uh, he was kind of a stopgap guy for um, the process. He was there during the bad times. You know, he was there with the 10-72 and 72 season and the 18-64 and 64 season and you know that sort of thing. But you're right. I mean, he seemed kind of like a stopgap guy that's never left, and I've talked about it. I don't think Brett Brown can lead this team. I'd be interested to watch this team without Brett Brown there. And that's why if you're going to make a case for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to stay on the same team, it's that maybe another coach can get more out of them. But the truth of the matter is, and fact is, that this team, with Brett Brown as the coach, with this current dynamic, no matter who you've brought in, it doesn't work. It's not conjecture, it's not prediction, it's not what might happen. It's what has happened. At the end of the day, the Sixers don't win big games in the playoffs. It's that simple. I don't care if they almost beat the Raptors. They didn't beat the Raptors. I don't care that they, if Joel Embiid wasn't sick, they would have beat the Celtics. They didn't. I, I would have, could have, should have. If I had a fifth of vodka, I'd be drunk. If I had Kim Kardashian here, I'd probably fuck her. You know, it, it, it's, it's all relative to me. At the end of the day, Ben Simmons is playing very well right now. I, I will not knock him. The kid's been very good. But again, the competition has been weak, and Joel Embiid hasn't been there. We don't get this type of player when Joel's there. All these people talking about, oh, yeah, if Ben plays like this every night. He doesn't play like this every night. And that's the issue. And I know today people thought I was crazy because I said I would trade Ben Simmons for D'Angelo Russell. And I'm not saying I would do it straight up. I don't know what the exact trade would be. But hear me out with D'Angelo Russell, okay? He's having a great year, first of all, okay? You put him on this team as the point guard, you get instant offense. You get terrific offense. You get a guy that can shoot. You get a guy averaging 23 a game. Ben Simmons and Joel can't play on the floor at the same time. The spacing isn't there. It just doesn't work. You put DeAndre Russell in the Sixers. Is he the best defensive player? No. I'm not going to say he is. He's not horrible, but he's not good either. The great thing is you can cover up his flaws with the other four that you have that do play elite defense. You need a guard that can score. They don't have that. And I'm not talking about because Ben Simmons doesn't shoot the ball. I get he doesn't shoot the ball. And if he plays like he did the other night, he doesn't need to shoot the ball. The problem is he doesn't play like that every night. That's the problem. And if you're going to come and come and call me and you're going to talk to me about, will the Sixers beat the Bucks this year? They beat the Celtics three times this year. I don't care about a sample size of five or six games. The truth of the matter is they've lost six of ten to the Milwaukee Bucks. They've broken even against the Celtics. And the only reason they've actually broken even is because they've actually played pretty well against them this year. But at the end of the day, the Sixers are not a good road team, as we know. And everyone that's on top of it, I mean, they're fighting to be a top five team in the East. Fighting. They're fifth. And you look at everyone above them, the Celtics, the Toronto Raptors, the Bucks, all better defensively than them and all way better on the road than they are. And you know what's great? All those teams know how to play Ben Simmons. And when it matters most, this group can't coexist. And that's been fact. It's not, oh, big men just, you know, predicting shit again. No, it's fact. They haven't played that well together. So, I mean, we, we can keep acting like, you know, Ben's great and he, he was, yeah, he has been. But, again, it's not going to be long-term because it, it, it never is with him when Joel's on the court. It's one or the other. And, and I think until someone realizes that, these are all going to be let down. And I get it. The fans, you want to root for your team. You want your team to win. But 
to, to actually think that this team, who is not as good as last year's team, if you actually think they can go on the road and win four games, keep in mind, in the playoffs, you don't get four games in a row at home. Like, I don't think people seem to understand that. This team's 9-14 and 14 on the road this year. Do I think if you add another player? I, I don't know. It's all going to be about who the player is. But again, a lot of the concerns I have with the Sixers are more from the coach. I wouldn't mind seeing what this team could be with another coach. What can you get out of Ben Simmons? What can you get out of Joel? What can you do differently? Problem is, they're not going to do that in the middle of the season. They screwed themselves when they didn't fire Brett Bowden last season. You should have fired the man and moved on. You had a new coach this year. And you know what you're going to do this year? You're going to waste yet another year. And that window to compete is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So, again, at the end of the day, you made your bed and I have to sleep in it. And I don't want to hear, well, it's not that bad. They're in fifth. Yeah, they're fighting. They're in fifth. They're fighting to 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 to, to, to get into the, the top five six. But big man, they're only two games back from the, the heat. Okay. We know they're gonna get in the playoffs. It's a question of when they get to the playoffs, are they going to be prepared? And history has shown us that they normally aren't. That's the show for tonight. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm gonna kind of try to keep these shows to around an hour. Um, you know, I um, I think when you do shows and you do uh, content, you know, it's always about the participation. You know, you want to know that the audience is out there and listening. And you know, there's certain things that I do that I think people do like. Certain shows. Sometimes when I do this show, um, you know. There's certain days where it's not as listened to, and I try to, you know, getting callers to call makes the show great. You know, you, you can chat, you can talk about stuff, you can bring things up that that maybe, you know, I didn't see or you didn't see or whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, the guest was great tonight, Mike Randall, as always. Uh, we will, uh, you know, we'll kind of see where the show's going to go because I feel like at some point the show is becoming. Not redundant, but it's you know there's a lot of things we're talking about that you know it's you can only talk about for so much and so long. So you know it, it's tough. It's hard to catch on with content. You know you just gotta kind of keep doing it and and keep running with it. And and you know there, there's a lot of great people listen to the shows, but you know these shows take time. You know they take time to put together. They take time to to to, to be involved with. So it's at the end of the day you have to have a reason to keep doing them and. You know, it's interesting because, like, I'll go – like, I could sign off here right now and go to Periscope, and I'll have, you know, tons of people in there the entire time asking questions. But radio is tough, you know. Um, I guess we need to get me on national radio, and that will be different. But uh, I'm out of here. You all enjoy your night. Uh, enjoy um, your day tomorrow. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the weekend, so – Remember that. It feels like it's already like Wednesday or Thursday, yet it's only Tuesday. Uh, but uh, all right, we're out of here. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, thanks to Mike Randall for joining us. Uh, I am the big man on campus. We will see you tomorrow here on the show. Hey.